2SER acknowledges the custodians of the Gadigal and Darug lands from which we broadcast. Hi, this is Ian White, Director of Mutiny in Heaven, the birthday party, and you're listening to Celluloid Dreams. Hello and welcome to Celluloid Dreams, to SER's home of film and screen culture. My name is Evan Shapiro and it's great to have your company for the next half an hour. On the show this week, we speak with director Ian White about the new documentary Mutiny in Heaven, The Birthday Party. This no-holes-barred look at the infamous Australian band that launched a number of careers, including Nick Cave's, is everything you'd want from a music doco and more. That interview coming up very shortly. Also joining me will be show regular Eleanor Godley and she'll be dropping in to chat about a new doco all about vaping. So stick around, you're listening to Cellular Dreams. I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be right back. I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. Ha, you did not gonna say that, did you? That's what you always say. I do? I'm back. She'll be back. Stay here. I'll be back. I might be back. I'm back. I'm back. I'll be back. You've been back enough. I'll be back. To S-E-R-R. Mutiny in Heaven, The Birthday Party is a new documentary feature being released on the 2nd of November in cinemas. In fact, there are some special Q&A sessions with band members Mick Harvey and Phil Calvert, along with director Ian White on the opening weekend. Joining us now on Cellular Dreams to discuss the film is director Ian White. Ian, great to have you on the show. Thanks, Evan. It's a pleasure to be here. There are many reasons why the birthday party imploded or, or perhaps came to a natural end, such as drug use, personality clashes, and perhaps even the unseen alchemy that made the whole thing work in the first place. I'm wondering how you balanced those various ideas to ultimately get that feeling that it was a complex set of circumstances with multiple forces at work. Um, I guess I wanted the film to end in the way that the band ended, which kind of shuddered to a halt. And as you say, it was quite complex. The thing is, I think Mick Harvey says it best when he said, um, maybe we should have just driven it right off the cliff (laughs) instead of stopping and turning around and going home. We should have just driven the whole thing right off the cliff. I think that not knowing whether it's going to continue or not continue until the very end of the film is a big part of it. I often asked myself while I was making it, would would we have wanted the band to go on uh, for another five years when they weren't as committed to what they were doing or as sincere about what they were doing? I personally think that they finished at exactly the right time. Now, my way into into Nick Cave was through the Bad Seeds. In fact, I've been fortunate enough to see the see Nick Cave in in many iterations, uh, including actually just uh, a week or so ago in Solo. Uh, in New York. It's a bit like dominoes dropping as I look back at those performances and I see how much of that was forged in the in the birthday party years. How did you come to the birthday party and the desire to tell this story? Uh, I'd seen the band back in their heyday at the Crystal Ballroom in the early 80s in Melbourne and they were phenomenal. They were a force. 
those gigs are still to this day etched in my mind. So when I was offered the opportunity to make the film, I just said yes in a heartbeat. There was no question that I wasn't going to make this film. They were such an incredible live band. I think to this day you can see louder bands or heavier bands, but you'll rarely see a band that performs with the same intensity that the birthday party had. And that was a combination of these five incredibly strong, dynamic, charismatic characters and the chemistry that they had between them. I think even when the band were bored or in a bad mood, they were as compelling as seeing them at the top of their game. So they really were an extraordinary live act. And I think something that I hadn't realised was just how sort of visceral the feeling was. And is that how it was for you when you saw them, that that, that sort of, you know, there was something, there was an alchemy happening at those live performances that uh, the band couldn't even really sort of control? Absolutely. There was a sort of palpable feeling of danger at those gigs. And it was not to do with feeling that something might happen to you in the audience. It was as much wondering what the band would do to themselves. At their best nights, it was like some sort of auto-destructive art performance as much as a rock and roll show. Five people trying to escape something that they seem to be trapped in. It was really compelling, really, really compelling. And I think the film bears that out. The live sequences in the film bear that out. There's a lot of live footage which has never been seen before and live recordings which have never been heard. And that was really one of the aims of the film was to try to capture some of that energy and distill some of the power of those performances. As you say, there's some amazing early footage. So for our more technical listeners, I wonder if you could discuss where you managed to find this rich archive. And if you could also speak to how you've connected material where there might have been gaps using some, I think, quite inventive creative techniques. The band were really generous with the archive that they held. So they really opened up everything that they handed over, everything that they had to the project, which was fantastic. And that was not only live recordings and concert film, but uh, still photographs, letters, diaries. They were also really helpful in pointing out where uh, unseen archive might exist. So it was a matter of just, we spent about a year, I guess, tracking this down, reaching out to people who may have filmed things or photographed things or recorded things, asking them if they could contribute to the film. And the uh, amount of goodwill from everyone, really, was was phenomenal. And this includes the uh, animations you've just referred to, which um, originated from a German illustrator and graphic novelist called Reinhard Kleist. And he's produced a couple of great graphic novels, one on Johnny Cash, another on the birthday party Bad Seeds. And we're all massive fans of Reinhardt. Uh, So again, reached out to him, asked if we could use his illustrations as the basis for animated sequences, and he was fine. He was really, everyone was really happy that a film was finally being made and more than happy to contribute. I guess I should say the band had been approached on many occasions in the past to make a film and they'd always declined. So this just seemed like the right time to do it. And in terms of linking up narrative sequences, we used a combination of animation. We had two different animation teams working on it in completely different styles. 
One's very graphic novel-esque, which was using Reinhardt's material. Another mob called uh, Kingdom of Lud in Sydney, who were much more atmospheric and dreamy. And uh, I think together it really tries to, as you say, the glue to hold that story together. And then a lot of, photo, again, photographs, letters, diaries. When going through all this archive, there was so much stuff I found that doesn't exist anymore. Aerograms, postage stamps, photocopies, contact sheets, film leader. These are things that we don't see in the digital world. So they all contributed to the visual palette of the film and the storytelling. It's a bit of a seminal film, really. I and mean, we've seen lots of bands documented, like the early days of the Beatles in Hamburg. It sort of comes to mind with this. It's, it's a great uncovering of, of what really occurred. And I, I would have to say, uh, I congratulate you on a, on a really fine film that pulls these uh, disparate pieces together in, in such a great way. So it's a great experience in the cinema. Finally, can I ask you, Ian, what's your favourite birthday party song? And do you have a reason? <laughs> oh, that's a hard question, Evan. <laughs> I'll say Mutiny in Heaven, which is the title of the film and is also the song that closes the film. It was the last song the birthday party recorded. And to me, that encapsulates everything that they spent their career working towards. It's, it's funny, it's anarchic, it's chaotic, it's dark, and it's got a great groove. Ian White, it's been a pleasure talking to you about your great new documentary, Mutiny in Heaven, The Birthday Party. Thanks for joining us on Celluloid Dreams. Thanks, Evan. It's been a pleasure. And you can catch Ian White along with band members Mick Harvey and Phil Calvert at special Q&A sessions over the opening weekend from 2nd of November. Go to birthdaypartymovie.com for more information. You're listening to Celluloid Dreams. You take the blue pill, the story ends... You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. You know how we've always talked about the possibility of something going wrong with the bomb. Did you know if you mix deeper parts of gasoline and frozen orange juice concentrate, you can make napalm? Obi-Wan never told you what happened to the father. Celluloid dreams. You feel it like no other creature because you are a vampire. Of course, he, uh, he was a Harvard undergraduate. That might make it justifiable homicide. Celluloid dreams. Celluloid Dreams regular Eleanor Godley joins me now. Eleanor, we've both seen Mutiny in Heaven, The Birthday Party, and we've just heard from director Ian White. What did you think about this documentary? Well, I found it really interesting, and I always love watching something of where I was in a particular time because there's so many blanks at that time in my life (laughs) that I go, oh, did that happen? Oh, is that why that happened? Or is that why they were now the bad seeds and not the birthday party. Is that why they're the birthday party and not boys next door? You know, there was so many things that, uh, you, you know, we didn't have the internet. It wasn't so easy to find things out. I mean, you had to read the street press, which I did, but, you know, I, I think there was a lot, there's a lot of gaps. So what I, I did like is how it all fit together. I love the old interviews with, um, especially with Roland. It was a good um, nostalgia for me going back and thinking about, 
Hmm. I did see them in 1983. What didn't I? What did I think of them at the time? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it for, for that, for the nostalgia. Look, I came to Nick Cave a bit later during the Bad Seeds years and I found this film really fascinating because it, I've gone back to the to the birthday party a couple of times to to listen and I've, I've never really engaged with it that well particularly, but this film gave me that real strong sense, that real visceral sense of what it must have been like to see them live and how dramatic that was. I found that really compelling. And I think that people seeing this in the cinema will probably feel quite involved because they put a lot of effort into the soundtrack. Uh, yeah, and, exactly. And the way the music flows. And it's funny because after I saw the movie, I went, uh, I, I met this man for the very, very first time. And I just happened to talk about the birthday party. And he was, he's a huge birthday party fan, you know, and he's uh, read all the books, seen all the films, actually even told me about other films to watch, um, one about Roland S. Howard um, called Illuminescence, I think it's called, or Auto-Illuminescence. What he said about the birthday party performances, he said it was, a, it was like a performance art. It was, you know, it was more than just a rock concert. It was, it was the, the whole performance of very guttural and visceral and raw and and that's what attracted so many people to it because it was so different to what was what else was out there i think this film would be really for any birthday party fan or anyone who likes nick cave they're going to flock to this but i actually watched it with my son who's 23 and i saw him squirming <laughs> the chair and i'm thinking is he going to walk out any moment but he stuck with it but it for him he found it really dirty he thought the film was dirty and he didn't like that, which was an interesting observation. That is a really fascinating observation, isn't it? Dirty. Yeah. I, I get I get that. It does feel like that. I mean, they were living in poverty in London. Yeah. I think this film really does make the whole experience quite real. It, it certainly yeah. filled in some some gaps in, in my understanding of the birthday mm. party. And, uh, yeah, there's probably one or two songs I still sort of – I, I feel like I can listen to now with a, very, a different ear. You see it in the way Nick Cave performs, uh, how much he's learned from that time and what he's put mm. into different performances over the years. I mean, Grinder Man is, is probably the most obvious in a sense of that sort of raw um, sort of rock and whatnot. But I guess it's that, that was that unpredictability of the birthday party mm. that got so many people excited and, it's it's great to have this film. I think that yeah, I think that so period. too. I think it's it's um it's important uh, for Australian history of uh, of music. Well, Mick Harvey's uh, got a show coming up in November at the Great Club, <laughs> so I'm interested to see that. I mean, I have um, and I've I've been listening to him on you know on the on the Spotify and and Roland S Howard, and it's funny to to listen to his offshoot crime in the city solution sounds very much like the bad seeds that's where they were yeah. headed yeah thematically yeah. and yeah. It, it's funny how they both sound very similar but how nick cave just went way uh, you know like so popular and crime in the city solution just didn't do very much at all it is really interesting how that sort of how that ended up happening it's uh, they're just mm. such they were just such interesting personalities and i really appreciated the opportunity to, to get a glimpse into into these personalities and that sense of how they operated or sort of like a five-person marriage. And yes. uh, I thought that was yep. really fascinating. 
Yeah, it was. It was very fascinating. Because I, I read the um, Tony Cohen book beforehand, and there was, and he recorded a live performance of the birthday party. And when Nick Cave heard his voice back, he hated it. And so he re-recorded his vocals in the studio for this live album. That is an interesting story. I must get to read that book. And there's also a great book called Boy on Fire, The Young Nick Cave by Sydney's own Mark Mordeaux, which is really worth checking out. Now, uh, if you want to see Mutiny in Heaven, The Birthday Party, it starts on the 2nd of November and there are a bunch of Q&A screenings with filmmaker Ian White and band members. So get online and check it out. Get your tickets. You're listening to Celluloid Dreams. If you don't think there's hope for the world, why bother going on? You haven't seen the world, so you don't know. Keep going for family. No. Your cargo. Spread over nine episodes, The Last of Us might be the zombie story we've all been waiting for. Based on the highly successful video game of the same name, this thoughtfully produced show is already being touted as one of the best for 2023. One episode, titled Long Long Time, is arguably one of the best hours of television you'll see this year, or perhaps any. If you're a fan, it's likely you've already watched it all, but for those who have been holding out or just don't know about it yet, you're in for something special. With the final episode now released, it's ready for you to binge watch. The idea of a show based on a video game might not sound that appealing. A few have tried with very average results. So how has this adaptation succeeded where other shows have failed? The bottom line is great storytelling with real well-drawn characters that an audience can understand and connect with. Add to that some very fine acting along with detailed and visually compelling production design. It's no mean feat to satisfy fans of a game with a TV adaptation, as well as hooking in viewers that are new to the story. But that is exactly what the production team behind The Last of Us has achieved. They have faithfully rendered characters, storylines and visuals that stay true to the game and depart where needed to create something unique. Along the way, actors who voiced characters in the game have been given meaningful cameos. So what is the story? Well, I don't want to give too much away, but this zombie apocalypse makes some sort of sense. At least the suspension of disbelief is effective. Due to climate change, fungi have adapted to live in and infect human bodies. And when everything goes to hell, it's real people's stories of survival that are at the center of the tale. Why are you so important? A young girl, Ellie, Bella Ramsey, is immune, and Joel, Pedro Pascal, a survivor if ever there was one, is tasked with delivering Ellie to a medical outpost, in the hope her immunity will be the key to a cure. This on-screen duo is clearly loaded with a father-daughter dynamic, but done with great effect, integrity and meaning. 
this is a zombie show, but zombies are scarce, and if you aren't too sure already, there are plenty of other kinds of monsters that occupy a world gone mad. While there is violence in the show, nothing is done without driving the story, and that's what makes this show so compelling. The full season of The Last of Us is now available to stream on Binge or to buy from online retailers. It's time on Cellular Dreams for Stream It or Leave It, and Eleanor Godley is with me this week. Eleanor, what have you been watching on the small screen that you can recommend? Well, I watched The Big Vape, which is a four-part docuseries on Netflix, um, in brackets, The Rise and Fall of Jewel. Now, this is well, this was a startup company formed by two graduates from Stanford, James Monsey and Adam Bowen. Now, they came up with the bright idea to create an e-cigarette because they love the social aspect of smoking, but they didn't, you know, they want to eliminate the diseases that smoking cause. So with um, plenty of hiccups on the, along the way, they succeed um, this, you know, the, the perfect e-cigarette. But when it's come to came to the launch to advertise it, their whole idea of why they started it fell to pieces and they just went along the path of advertising it to teenagers. And so it has now blown up in their face and um, there, there are more teenagers using these e-cigarettes than the people who want to get off smoking. They're also getting off the, uh, the, the cigarettes and they're going to the e-cig, but it's, it's very alarming the amount of teenagers who have started e-cigaretting, um, vaping. So it was it, it was an interesting documentary. I didn't know much about about vaping, and so it was all like, oh my god, you know. And and at the moment, I'm doing like a design course, and you know, following the brief was my last my last assessment. And it's like, wow, how can you get that so wrong? You know, when they they wanted it to be let's get off cigarettes, not let's start vaping because I haven't done anything like that and I'm only 13 years old. But they had a beautiful campaign for um, attracting the, the young kids. Yeah, I found it very, very glossy. It was a very glossy docuseries. In fact, I want to be a little bit cynical and say I wouldn't be surprised if Jewel actually commissioned <laughs> this documentary. I mean, I, I don't know who who made it but it wasn't that bad for them like they said oh this is you know this is what they did but look what they're doing to correct themselves look how bad they were but look what they're doing to make it better look what they're doing but look who owns them now you know it was some things were really really glossed over very quickly and you go oh hang on a second i I need to find out more about that so i've done a bit of research (laughs) Well, that's really fascinating that they, I mean, it sounds like a, yeah, a bit of a propaganda piece in a sense, if they're, they're sort of trying to get ahead of the, uh, the bad publicity, of the, because obviously of the court there's, rulings. Yeah, there's a lot more coming out yeah. about vaping all the time. Their advertising campaign was continuously used in this documentary. Like every, I don't know, every maybe 10 minutes, they would show flickers of their advertising campaign and, you just think, come on, 
this is the bad thing about it. And if anybody's watching this who, you know, doesn't see the evil of e-cigarettes, then they, they might go, oh, this is cool. Look at all these cool kids getting lung diseases. <laughs> it sounds like a bit <laughs> problematic to me. But uh, so um, now tell me, uh, Eleanor, where is it? Where is it screening if you do want to uncover the world of vaping? Okay, it's on Netflix. It, it was a bit repetitive. And they, they also had, um, you know, employees who couldn't, who had to be, who had to stay anonymous, but they didn't say anything incriminating, you know, incriminating against the company. And it's like, what does this be anonymous for? It was quite, quite strange. It sounds but, like, uh, it sounds like the filmmakers uh, wanted to go a bit harder, either didn't go that hard or have been, you know, like you say, uh, paid to make it look like that a bit. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'm intrigued. I think I'll have to watch an episode and, and <laughs> see which way I think it's falling on this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, when they like the, the, so there was people who were, uh, who were happy to be in front of the camera and, and they, like, they all loved the company, you know, they loved the company. So they had nothing really that bad to say about it. I mean, and then the ones who, you know, said, oh, you know, this is, you know, the advertising was really, really bad, but, that was spoken about anyway. So, I, you know, it was just, it was quite bizarre how they mm. were anonymous. Sounds very strange. <laughs> this week, I have started watching the follow-up show to The Boys, which has 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 about three seasons on Amazon Prime. It's a sort of alternate superhero show. It's quite dark. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. Have you, have you seen The Boys? No, I don't believe so. Is yeah. it American? Or? It's American. It... It's American, yeah. mm -hmm. and it's it really is very much about the now, and uh, it, it's it's done in a very dark way. It's as if there's a there were some superheroes now, and 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 the, the extreme capitalism that might drive their popularity. So, uh, but it's you know it's it's really there's it's it's a very dark show, darkly funny quite violent, extremely sexualized, it's sort of really out there kind of show. Uh -huh. um, but the spin-off is called Gen V. And so it's, a, it's sort of like a, the next generation. It's a younger crowd uh, of, of, of what they call soups. Uh, you know, they've, all these people have been created as a result of their parents giving them this compound when they were children. So this is this whole exploitative nature of the world being exposed. Uh -huh. uh, it's the writing is very funny. It's very sharp and, and extremely well observed, but it's not for the faint hearted at all. So there's, okay. it's quite, you know, it's, I, I don't really go for blood and gore too much, but I can handle it with this because it's just, it's sort of really silly Mm -hmm. But also there's a lot of great social commentary sort of happening and they're very accurate in, in terms of portrayal of, you know, with gender stereotypes and playing with all these sorts of ideas. I think they do, they, um, they really sort of get all that stuff and mm -hmm. uh, it's very reflective of the world we're living in right now. So okay. I, I think there's a lot going for it for, and for a spin-off show to actually be sort of tracking as well as the original is not a bad feat at all. So I'm sort of into it at the moment, but mm. I'll see how long right. it lasts. I'm about five episodes <laughs> in. and That's right. Yeah. If you like the boys, you'll probably like Gen V is the, is probably the end of that st is probably the, is where that goes, I think. Okay. Well, I don't have Amazon prime, so I will, uh, I'll wait till it comes on a different platform. 
Yeah, that's a good idea. We do uh, we do try and cover things from all sorts of places here. Give you a, a mix in the plethora of content that we have available to us, which is just sort of outrageously. Yeah, I don't know. There's huge. just huge, isn't it? It's just so ridiculous. Hard, so hard yeah, to choose. I, it's stuff. so hard to choose, and you and you go through like I I go through Netflix, and I think I can't be bothered watching anything. There's the doom scroll. There's yeah, yeah. We've we've sort of uh, Gabby and I've chatted about this before in the past. That you know, you don't really want to get yourself caught up in that stuff. You've got to make the decision before you sit down sometimes about what you're going to watch. Otherwise, the uh, the hour you set aside to watch something is spent just yeah. scrolling. What am just I going to choose? What am I going to choose? <laughs> yeah. So hopefully we're yeah. able to help people cut through a bit with that. But sadly, that's all we have time for on Celluloid Dreams this week. Tune in again same time next week. And if you'd like to check us out on our website, 2ser.com slash Celluloid Dreams, you can find extended content and all sorts of other good things. We'll catch you next week. Bye for now. We are pleased to be able to bring you this fine entertainment. And we hope that you will enjoy it. We also hope that you've had the opportunity to visit our snack bar. And remember, after the movie, be especially careful on your way home.